preview podcast, Brad. Uh, in my world, that sounds like Christmas morning. I'm you know, so excited to sit down, talk about some mid-majors uh, today. And, you know, I, 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 for those listening to the podcast, you don't maybe know the story. For me, at least, I grew up on mid-major basketball. I grew up in Albany uh, watching Siena and Albany basketball. Both, you know, had really nice runs. Both three-peated in their conference, made the NCAA tournament. Siena won a couple NCAA tournament games. I kind of grew up in that world and uh, surrounded by the power of what a you know 13 seed can do in a big dance. So uh, always a lot of fun to get to chat about uh, the majors. Yeah, you know, I was I was looking forward to you know more uh, a, a, a podcast with with less structure. We can just kind of talk about you know what we found you know when researching different teams and stuff that's interesting, different players, uh, you know, different. Teams that you know could could uh, sneaky be good that a lot of people aren't talking about you know just all 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 sorts of stuff because you know we had touched on this I know a bunch last year that it seems like more more people like the idea of of mid majors and kind of like the symbolism of a mid major than the actual teams themselves but you know I I think this year you know I have I have four mid major teams well f- four including Gonzaga who's Who's not a mid-major per se, but they're in a mid-major conference. But you know, for my count, I'll include them, right? So I, I have four in my top twenty-five, which I think is a lot, and I have um, four other ones getting at-large caliber seeds. So you know, this should be a pretty strong year uh, for for uh, the whole mid-major crop. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree on your strong point. I've spent you know the last. Pretty much every free chance I get, I've been writing conference previews, getting those up on my website, uh, cbbcentral.com. All 32 conferences will be previewed, and um, you know, doing that. On, uh, I had a very exciting Saturday, Brad. I sat in a chair, um, was was gambling on some college football on Bovada Sportsbook. Uh, you know, pa- tossing some money on games, had a great time, lost some money because I'm nowhere near as smart about college football as I am about basketball, and just writing previews. So I, I'd write the MEAC. I'd write, of course, the Mac preview. So that was always a lot of fun. But, uh, I mean, just diving through rosters. And um, one quick one, Brad. If you're if you're an SID listening to this and you haven't put out a 2019-20 roster yet, please do that. Like, like very much please do that. I, I can't rely on verbal commits for everything, guys. I, I, need, I need confirmation. I need a roster. Come on, folks. It's a month to go. Yeah, you always look at verbals first. And then if, if, if there's 14 or 15 guys or if something looks wrong, you go and cross-reference it on the uh, on, on the official team roster. I know uh, this this weekend I was looking at UMass for some reason. I noticed I had 14 guys on there. Checked the checked the UMass uh, team roster and saw that uh, Kalia Turner is not on the team anymore, which I, I must have missed the first time, and the, the whole scholarship uh, situation was cleared up. Always helpful. We love our friends over at uh, Verbal Commits, keeping things, uh, keeping things squared away for us. Um, but yeah, we're going to go through today. It's our mid-major podcast. As you said, Brad, it's going to be a pretty free-flowing conversation. Um, and we'll, we'll hit on the conferences that we that have the top 100 teams in our preseason top 100s, I should say. Um, so, so we'll definitely hit big on the A-10, Mountain West, WCC, uh, and then uh, on some of the bigger names and the best players in the uh, mid-major world uh, as we kind of scan throughout. So we'll hit... On, if you're a mid-major fan, you're you're gonna want to hear this whole thing. So we're gonna get give you as many as many teams as we can possibly fit into uh, into this show. It's gonna be quite a lot of fun, Brad. So 
should we get started with the A10? Let's do it. All right. So A10, I have five top 100 teams. In order, I have VCU, Dayton, Davidson, URI, and St. Bonaventure, um, of which I have VCU and Dayton clearly in the at-large picture, Davidson on the kind of cusp of the at-large conversation, and URI and St. Bonaventure like NIT-level teams. So I actually have a couple more. So I have the five that you mentioned, um, and then I have two squeaking in at, at, at the back of my top 100. I have Duquesne at number 94, which would be sixth in the A-10. And I have uh, St. Louis at 99, seventh in the A-10. And I think I have Richmond just outside. I have Richmond at 110. Um, I did my rankings out to 131 so far. Um, so still trying to work in a few teams uh, like Louisiana Tech in there and uh, San, San Francisco. But you know, I'm, I'm a little more, more bullish on the middle, I guess, than uh, you all are. Um, in terms of St. Louis, right, they have, they have two very good players. And you know, uh, Jordan Goodwin took a step back last year. Um, you know, he's not much of a shooter, uh, but you know, he's an interesting player. He can handle the ball. He can create. Between him and Hassan French, a guy who I've always liked, um, you know, that kind of undersized big man who, who works on the glass. He's a lefty. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit. Um, so they, they have two really strong pieces. Um, the problem is with, with St. Louis is, you know, last year they, they just couldn't score to save their lives. Um, you know, they, they uh, played a, a really ugly br- brand of basketball. And while they, I mean, they, they bring in a couple guys who should be able to score, but I don't necessarily know why this team would be able to score much better than last year's team. Um, and in fact, I mean, their talent level is, is lower, right? So they're bringing in Duwanza Weaver, who's a grad transfer from, I think, Eastern Kentucky, uh, as like an undersized scoring point guard. Uh, they're, and they're bringing in a, a Juco transfer in Javante Perkins, who had a lot of of uh, high, you know, he he was a big scorer at the JUCO level, so they're going to need those guys to really make an impact. Um, so, I mean, 99th, it's, I mean, what does that mean, you know, in terms of contextualizing it? Um, outside the NIT, you know, maybe a team with like a 10 and 8, a 10 record, and, you know, maybe they go to the CBI or something. I mean, in terms of Duquesne, um, they're, they're bringing a lot back. They have a, a, a point Point guard was a bit of a cult following, I'd say, and a sincere carry. And, um, you know, they have a deep front court with uh, Michael Hughes and the, the Utah Valley grad transfer, Bailey Steele. Um, they, they have Marcus Weathers back for year two uh, after transferring in from Miami of Ohio. Um, you know, they have uh, Macy Lawson, who I know is a recruit that uh, you've, you've touched on before. So, you know, they have, a, you know, they have, they have some uh, solid. Solid players across the lineup. The bench is solid. Unfortunately, I think I saw this the other day that uh, Frankie Hughes is out. Um, so he was a guy who was going to be a key piece for them. You know, not like a best player type, but a fit, you know, fifth or sixth uh, kind of guy in the rotation. Yeah, I just have both Duquesne and St. Louis just outside the top 100. I um, you said 131. You have I made it out to 126. I didn't actually rank 101 to 126. But I had 126 teams I was considering. Uh, both of those two teams were in that mix, and they just did not make the cut. Um, with Duquesne, you, know, you really like the front court. One guy to watch is James Ellis. He was a Prop 48 kid uh, who didn't qualify. But he's like a 7'6 or 7'9 wingspan, something absurd. I know he flashed some moments during their international trip. He could be like a situational rim protector type, especially with 
I believe, both of Austin Retroff and Amari Kelly coming off offseason injuries. Uh, the Hughes injury does hurt. I don't think it kills. I wasn't the biggest fan of his. He's kind of a chucker, uh, and it gets more 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 options for a guy like Macy o. Austin, who I'm super high on. I think um, by the end of the season, I think he'll be their second-best guard um, after Sincere Carey. I think it gives Lamar Norman a chance to step up as well. He was a very good recruit out of high school. Uh, he's a guy that uh, that could help. But they've got guards. They've got a really good coach. They've got the size that they want to play. They're going to do a lot of kind of – it'll be interesting to see if they do more small ball with Weathers at the four or if they play two bigs. Um, you know, in the past, Keith Dambrock has played two, uh, two bigs. But we'll see if he can go smaller because Weathers is such kind of a versatile piece. And then St. Louis – yeah, I just don't think the talent's as good as last year, right? And they were horrible offensively last year. I don't see why they'll be better. Um, they need Gibson Jimerson from Montverde, I believe. He's a really good shooter. Uh, he could help there. Kind of just gives them a, a pure spacer. Um, Fred Thatch could break out a little bit, hit some outside shots. They just definitely need someone to space the floor. Um, so, uh, again, both those teams just outside my top 25. But I think there's a pretty clear tier behind St. Bonaventure where Duquesne starts to come in. Yeah, and then uh... – Speaking of injuries, and we touched on the, the injuries with Duquesne, George Mason, who's another team who I have outside my top 100, I think. Let's see where I ranked him. Um, I ranked him at 117, um, which would put them ninth in the conference. They lose Ian Boyd, who was going to be a starter for them. And then uh, Justin Kyer is going to miss some games. So what I saw yesterday on, or, or a couple of days ago, I think on, on Twitter. So I know that Dave... Dave Paulson's, you know, was was super high on this team coming in, um, but you know th- they're going to need Kyer to be fully healthy um, if if they're going to kind of escape that that middle middle uh, portion of the A10. Yeah, Kyer is a big blow. He's by far their best player. I think as long as he gets back by December, they'll be fine, and I think he's on track to. But that would be a crusher. Boyd is kind of a blue guy. They'll miss him, but they can get over his loss. They can't get over Kyer, so. Uh, that's certainly big. Um, do you like St. Bonaventure or URI more? I'm I'm bigger on URI, but it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah, we uh, jumped jumped right to the middle. You know, uh, t- talking the uh, middle details in, in, in the back of our top 100. I guess it's my fault. Uh, but you know, I I have URI at 64, and I have St. Bonaventure at 78. So I'm so I'm very high on on this URI team. You know, I I like uh, Jeff. Jeff Dowden, um, who was kind of moved more off the ball than he should have last year, but you know he's a really, really good player who, who can hit shots. He's a strong decision maker, and I'm I'm a huge uh, Cyril Langevin fan uh, at at the center position. He's he, he's like a little undersized, but he, he's a very good athlete, very strong, super active. Um, and, you know he he's a really really key piece for them. And you know both those guys were 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 really good last year, but for a URI to make the the you know pr- pretty massive jump that I have uh, projecting for them, going from I think like the 150s up up to 64, they're they're really going to need like their sophomores and kind of the, their newcomers um, to to really emerge. I know uh, Tyrese Martin, who was a pretty high, highly regarded recruit for the A10, I think he was like top 200. You know he won the starting job. Um, I, I I think toward the end of last year, you know he had some good games, but you know he he needs to. He needs to be more consistent. Jermaine Harris, who's a former top 100 recruit, you know, I'm not, I'm not selling my my Harris stock after he only averaged like four points a game last year. Um, but you know, he's he's someone who's you know, he, he's he, he's more skilled than, 
he showed last year. So I think that uh, URI front court's in great shape. They have a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, and and a really strong guard in uh, Jeff Doughton. So I think that you know this is a team that could could surprise could surprise some people. You know, sixty fourth means you're on like the periphery of the NCAA tournament discussion. You probably fall out by like mid February, and then you have you know maybe a home game in the NIT. Uh, maybe you're a five seed in the NIT, and then for the the Bonnies, you know, I I love the that, that three-man core of Lofton, Welch, and o- Osinini. Um, but that, that's another team where, where the uh, core sticks out, but they're really going to need you know, their uh, newcomers to uh, step up and uh, provide some uh, stability there on the wing. Yes, some thoughts on those. I think with Rhode Island, um, from what I've heard, Doughton will go back to playing point guard. Uh, I spoke with someone who had seen them practice and said Doughton was doing most of the, the point guard duties. So that's certainly a good sign. I think Fats is better off off ball. Um, you know, he was horrible last year. And there is no getting around it. Like, the guy can get a bucket, but he was just so inefficient. Um, so it's going to be it's been very interesting to watch him in year three. How does he improve, especially as they add more competitive depth? They add Jeremy Shepard, who was actually a, a pretty, I would say, fairly impactful Um a fairly impactful piece at East Carolina. He can really score the ball. I know he has motor issues, but he's very solid. Uh, Martin, as you mentioned, is the guy who could steal some minutes as well. So Fats has to be ready and, and come ready to play. Uh, that front court could be really, really good because you've got a guy like Dana Tate who can play some small ball four. You've got Antoine Walker. You've got DeVell Johnson's another guy. I really like he's a Juco kid. He can shoot the ball. Um, kind of reminds me of Isaiah Williams from Iona back in the day, except he's a little bit more physical. Um, built more to play a four at a bigger at, at the at a bigger school like like Rhode Island compared to Iona, who's going to really space you out. But they've got a really good front court. They've got talent all over the place. Um, David Cox has to prove he can run a team, and there were some growing pains last year. But uh, I'm a big fan of a lot of what uh, of what Rhode Island brings to the table if they can put it all together. Yeah, I mean they've they've so, such an abundance of like wings and kind of athletic four men, you know. I think Antoine Walker is going to be eligible at the start of sec- at, at the end of the first semester. Uh, haven't heard anything about him getting a waiver um, or even really looking for a waiver. Um, but you know, he, you know, between him, Tate, uh, uh, Devale Johnson, they have Jacob Toppin, who was getting some some high major interest um, in in the late signing period before uh, URI uh, scooped him up. So I mean, you know, they're so so versatile, so many different looks. You mentioned uh, Shepard gives them a, you know, some, something that they didn't really have last year with guys like Christian Thompson and Omar Silviero, where you know he's a he's a more proven commodity who can come in, who who can play some point guard, who can who can knock down some shots and uh, provide some some relief when uh, Fast Russell's having one of those games. Yeah, no, uh, 100% agree. And then just quickly, my thoughts on Bonaventure. Um, <clears throat> got you know, I, I think. That core is strong in terms of Lofton, uh, Lofton Achuni, and then Dom Welch, who really asserted himself down the stretch. I think they'll miss the experience that Courtney Stocker and Ladarian Griffin bought. I think they'll also miss the defense. Uh, Griffin, in particular, is a really good defender. Um, but I'm just so high on Achuni. I mean, they were a different team. They were they were very good, like a ten title level good last year uh, when Achuni started playing big minutes and, and really caught on. I like Matt uh, Matt Johnson, the JUCO kid. He should be helpful for them in the backcourt with Lofton. Um, they bring a really good class. I mean, 
it is unbelievable how Mark Schmidt continues to recruit to Olean. Uh, but Justin Winston's a stud. Robert Carpenter's going to be really good for them. Um, the Juco kid Johnson, as I mentioned before. Bobby Planudis, don't sleep on him. Mount St. Mary's transfer, he really shoot the ball. Uh, I think they'll be really pesky. Uh, this is a very good basketball team. So who do you think emerges at, at the three and the four? We think uh, Planudis at the four to get some, some shooting, and then we have Johnson or Winston on, on the wing, or, or, is, or is Winston more, more of a four-man? Yeah, so the way, I'm view, uh, way I would project it would be Lofton at the one, Matt Johnson at the two, Dom Welch at the three, uh, Winston at the four, and Oshuni at the five with Planudis, like the first guy off the bench. Winston could even play some small all five. Um, Rob Carpenter could play some three in the four, uh, but I think they'll go smaller with three guards. They'll play Welch at the three, maybe some Alpha Okoli, who's a really good defender. Um, Jaron English could play a little bit at the three as well. So uh, I think they'll be a, a pretty guard-centric team. Uh, and then play some combo. I guess you could play like Planutus, Winston, Oshuni, front court at times because of the shooting that Planutus brings. Uh, so they got a lot of options. Yeah, and you, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I uh, like St. Saint, Saint Bonaventure. Um, have them 78th, which comes out to a 7th seed in the NIT, which probably means that they would get bumped by an auto bid. Uh, but, you know, this is a good team. I don't think that they're that much worse than a URI at all. I think that, you know, from like 51 to 82 is just so clumped together. A lot of these teams, um, you know, you can really argue one way or the other. But I like those guys in the NIT picture. Um, you know, as as we climb up the standings here, uh, you know, I have, I have Dayton at 42, which puts them, uh, you know, right outside the first four, right? They, they would be a, I think an 11 seed that, 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 that's not in the playing game or maybe a 10 seed. Um, but you know, either way, they they have Obi Toppin, who's starting to generate some NBA draft buzz. He's mobile, he's athletic, he's he's uh, versatile offensively. You know, you know, he he's a very strong player. Um, but their backcourt is also super deep. Um, you know, they get the transfer Rodney Chapman. Um, in in the mix, they have Jalen Crutcher, who was a starting point guard last year. Dwayne Cohill is a former. At least top 150 recruit, maybe even higher, um, who's probably going to come off the bench. They have a Michigan transfer in Ibby Watson. They have Trey Landers, who started last year. So I mean, so they're they're deep. They have guys who can create, and they have this this uh, great starting center in uh, Obi Toppin. Yeah, there's a lot there. I'm confused why everyone loves Davidson so much more than Dayton. It seems like it's consensus that Davidson should be two and Dayton should be three. In my mind, it should be flipped. I think Dayton. Dayton's got a better roster. Um, they've got a, the, they're the best player in the league in my mind. They'll be top in. Um, they can go bigger if they want with Jordy Shimanga at the five and play top in at the four. They can go smaller with Mike Sell at the four and top in at the five or Chase Johnson once he's eligible midseason. The Florida transfer I really like is like an athletic four man. Uh, they're big on A.B. Watson. I think he'll play and, and play big minutes. Um, Crutcher is one of the more underrated point guards in the league. They're deeper than they've been. Um, for for Anthony Grant at this point, I mean, it, it's prove it time for Anthony Grant, right? I mean, he's obviously had success in his career in the past, but Dayton's not a very forgiving job. If they waste this year with Obi, I'm not saying he's going to get fired, but it's not going to set up well for the following year. So uh, it, it's a big year. I think they they don't have a lot of excuses to not be a top 50 team. Uh, I have them in the top 40. I think they're going to be really really good. Yeah, I think just the reason why people have Davidson higher is because Davidson runs it back almost. 100%, and Dayton loses Cunningham. 
loses Jordan Davis, too, who's off the middle Tennessee, despite playing 32 minutes a game uh, this uh, past year. Um, but, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, I, I love Dayton's ability to go big in, you know, with Toppin and Chimanga. They can go kind of medium, right, with uh, Chase Johnson in there. They can go small with Mike Sell and Toppin, even maybe Mike Sell and Chase Johnson. They have guys like Matos who can really defend and, you know, has, has size in the wing, a guy like Landers um, as well. So, I mean, they have, they have so many different looks. They have talent in terms of pass production. They have talent in terms of draft stock, talent in terms of, of our recruiting rankings. Um, it's really just all there. Um, so I have Davidson ahead just because um, kind of, you know, where, where I saw this, this foursome, right, of Georgetown, Colorado, Davidson, Providence, we're all about the same range in the NIT all pretty much running it back, maybe losing a piece here. I know uh, Georgetown traded out Omer Yurt 7 for uh, Jesse Govan, but other than that, they're, they're pretty much running it back. Um, so I kind of grouped all those guys together in that, like, 28 to 32 range. Um, and I, I didn't kind of, you know, still still making a jump from last year being 42, um, but, you know, a little behind uh, Davidson. Yeah, I mean, for me with Davidson, I just don't, I don't get the clear at-large buzz. I don't necessarily get the top 35 buzz that I think a lot of people are giving. Right, like they're, They were good on offense last year. They've got two really good guards. But, I mean, Brampton stepping up helps. Brajkovic maybe makes a, a bit of a jump. But I just don't see like the breakout guy on this team that makes them like sort of the top. I don't think Brajkovic or, or Frampton are all of a sudden going to become top 10 players in the A-10. I know people like Hyunjung Lee... Um, but I mean, I would say, you know, as a, as a freshman, it's a lot to rely on. I just think Dayton's roster is a lot better. Um, Dayton was like clearly better than them last season in my mind too. Like that team was probably 20, 20 to 30 places nationally better. Uh, I think Dayton is, is my two. And then obviously VCU at the top is I think pretty clear to me. Right. I mean, they're, they're loaded at guard. They might be bad offensively. Again, it may not matter because they're a really good defense. I love Marco Santos Silva. He, Wow, I really butchered that. Marcus Santos Silva, top 10 favorite player in the country. Just love how he plays, love how he fights in the glass. Vince Williams is a breakout guy, potentially. They've got tons of wing depth. Bones Highland helps them in the backcourt. Evans is healthy. Uh, all the reasons for optimism are there. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, Marcus Evans, you know, wasn't playing at at 100% for, for a lot of last year, it seemed, and definitely down the stretch where he gets hurt in the Atlantic 10 tournament. Uh, v- VCU falls to URI there. He comes back for the NCAA tournament, I think, and and it was hobbled if, if I remember that correctly. Um, but I mean, they're 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 adding a top 100 recruit. They're they're returning all their best players. I I agree on uh, Santos Silva. I love that 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 archetype of like that kind of undersized, bruising big man um, you know, who can score on the inside. But you know they've they've depth at every position. I know a lot of people like uh, Jaron McAllister too, who's a former. A Virginia Tech commit. Um, they'll they'll let him on the wing, and I think uh, with a VCU's defense, their uh, floor is going to be pretty high. I have them at as a top twenty-five team. I have them at number twenty-four right now. Um, I think that's probably around the range that that most people are going to put them in. Um, I I guess that's yeah. I I guess I would. I would categorize VCU as like a you know kind of a, a cap ceiling, but a high floor team um i guess if a marcus evans can can kind of carry the offensive load more 
and kind of raise up VCU's offense, then maybe it's a different story. But I feel like you know VCU is going to be back in that kind of seven to nine range in the NCAA tournament again. I guess my thing with VCU, right, is like that team was horrible on offense last season. Like they were 177th in offensive efficiency per Ken Palm nat- nationally, which would put them as like one of the worst at-large teams in the country to get it to offensively. I like Kansas State was worse, and that was pretty much it. Like, if that offense becomes a top 100 offense, a top 75 offense, which I don't think is unreasonable, um, just kind of looking through, uh, I mean, Mike Rhodes had a top, uh, a fringe top 100 offense at Rice his final year uh, with Kulachov and Marcus Evans. Like, if they're a top 100 offense and they have the talent to do that, I mean, that is a very dangerous team. That That gets to, like, I mean, that's not Virginia range because Virginia was a lead off offensively last year as well. But, I mean, you're you're talking about a team with a, a truly elite defense and a good offense. And, that I mean, that, that starts to become a could this team, you know, go to a second weekend type thing. And I think they could. So, uh, I'm, I'm pretty bullish. I think they'll be really good. I think they'll be much better offensively with the health of Evans and the addition of Bones Highland. I think that'll really help. So in uh in in conference games in terms of offensive efficiency, VCU was third in the A10. So I think while there is a lot a lot of room for them to rise up offensively, I think that it might not necessarily show in their record. Um, just because right the offense was good enough to win the A10 last year. The offense getting better, you know, there's. There's only so much that they can rise, right? Where if it's still like, like, like as you mentioned, say that they, they, they go up from 177 to 100 offensively, they don't rise up a ton, I wouldn't think, in, in Camp Palm. So, so, like, they were 42nd, right? You know, maybe they move closer to like a top 25 team, like, like what most people are ranking them um, in terms of uh, just efficiency margin, right? But that. That that conference mark, um, to me, kind of shows that right. They were they were sixteen and two with, with with an offense of that caliber. I mean, maybe they go seventeen and one, right? Yeah, I mean that's I think that the point that they're not going to move the needle necessarily in terms of like a ten record is is very fair. Uh, I do know that I had a I had a lot of fun betting unders last year on VCU. Uh, I would. It was that was one of my favorite Bovada bets of the of the year. I would just go on, I would uh, I would I would bet a VCU under, and I would bet like, I would bet a Mac game under, and it's the only time I ever bet unders was VCU under and uh, Mac games because Mac games just always went under last season for whatever reason. So those are my those are my two best bets of the uh, of the season last year. I had to find my two go tos again for the upcoming year. Here's here's a funny uh, gambling story from. Last year, so so I ended up breaking pretty much even. I think I was like, like like a fifty one percent maybe. But the the first day of the season, you know, you know, a bunch of my friends have a, a Bovada account, and they were like, "All right, give me, you know, f- first day of college basketball season, give me some picks, right?" So I rattle off n- nine picks. I didn't I didn't bet any of them though, um, but I had checked them. You know, after you know the end of the night, right? What? Oh, for nine. 
<laughs> a couple days go by, right? No, no one said anything. You know, the people that, that I gave picks to. Like, hey, uh, how, how are my picks the other night? Oh, I didn't use them. <laughs> there well, you go. Well, you uh, saved, saved a lot of money that way. Yes, I love that. I, I'm always, like, any friend who wants to gamble on sports, like, will text me, like, in a, in a fit. Like, hey, like, I need to bet on college basketball. Who do you bet tonight? I remember, like, one of my friends that, like, was betting on, like, Ryder Washington State, and he wanted action. I was like, dude, get a life. But, you know, I love my gambling. I do it. I, do, I, I, I certainly do. Uh, speaking of the desert, should we go to the Mountain West? Let's do it. All right. So with the Mountain West, I have, um, I believe, four preseason top 100 teams. And then I'm just leaving off Boise and UNLV, mostly because I don't know the eligibility situation of Abu Kijab and Emmanuel Acott. Um, for, for, for Boise, they would be a top 100 team if those guys are eligible. But uh, I have Utah State, New Mexico, San Diego State, and Nevada. We already did a deep dive on New Mexico, New Mexico, so we probably don't need too much more on the Lobos, but we both really like the roster. We want to see it in action. Uh, Utah State is a team I'm a little worried about getting like the Loyola Chicago effect or the Northwestern two years ago effect where they were good, but they were magically good. Like they, 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 the, the hole was so much greater than the sum of the parts. That there's some regression that occurs. And now obviously with, with Utah State, like with like Loyola lost pieces that were very valuable. So I don't think it's necessarily the fairest comparison, but I do think there's a there's room for Utah State to move out of the like into very clear bubble to even like not in the dance into like a like a top seventy five team instead of a top twenty five team that everyone has. I do think that's possible. I'm not saying it'll happen. I think they're still really going to be really good. I love Craig Smith. I you know he did an amazing job at South Dakota. Um, they've got two really good players in Merrill and uh, Nemius Kata. They they could use a guy like uh like Barstow or Liam McChesney to to step up, but I do have a little bit of concern that there's a little regression there. Well, you you mentioned you know um, the uh, comparison to Loyola Chicago, and you know they did did lose pieces, right? But but they lost pieces that were critical to what they were, right? Like. Like they lost Ben Ben Richardson, who was the defensive player of the year, in 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 the Valley, starting at at that shooting guard position. Then they lost Dante Ingram, who went on to play summer league, which which speaks to how uh, highly regarded he was nationally. He's a guy like a small ball power forward type lefty who could who could shoot the ball. He could play inside. And they lost Andre Jackson, who allowed them to you know kind of go go small, and he would step in that small ball five spot. Um, and so you know they they were all key, key pieces to what they did, right? Utah State they they lose what they they lose two guys I think um, was it Dwayne Brown was one who kind of came off the bench as like a sixth man. Yeah. Uh, do Do you remember the other one? Um, let me pull. I feel like it was a wing too. Um. Did they lose Beans? No, he's he's back. He's someone who people really like. I, I guess Taylor. They lose Quinn Taylor, who was yeah, right, very yeah. good. He was a so, good defensive front court guy. Right. So, so those two guys really didn't 
I guess, shape what Utah State does, right? Uh, uh, he, you know, Utah State has, has a great uh, creating guard in uh, Sam Merrill. They have a great rim-protecting center and anchor and a name is Keita. And they have a bunch of guys who, uh, you know, uh, uh, Justin Bean has gotten a lot of praise uh, for his uh, defensive abilities. He'll, he'll play some four and some five, and they got guys like Miller and Brito and Porter who were around last year and uh, play a role. So I think that their floor is higher than the bubble. I think their floor would be like, uh, about as good as they were this year, right, uh, or, or last year. So like an eight or a nine seed. Um, they've crept up on uncomfortably high in my rankings. I have them at 15 right now, which I don't feel good about. Um, it's just, you know, Alabama takes an injury. Baylor has a transfer. The uh, uh, Gonzaga takes an injury. Villanova takes one. All of a sudden, I, I have Utah State in my top 15. Yes. I've had, that, that's been my challenge is, like, establishing a, a ceiling with them. And I think the ceiling is just not a top 15 team. I think that's just too high. And, like, I think you probably agree with that. But it's just, like, I don't feel, like, at all confident that this will ever be a top 15 team because I truly think what they were last year was as good as they could be. And, obviously, there's room for Kata to improve and get better. But I also think they're – I, I, just, I just have a hard time believing. I think they'll, they'll miss Quinn Taylor a lot more than I think you're valuing. I think he was really solid, uh, was a very good defender, was a leader – uh, I think they will miss him. He's a, he could pass a little bit. They they really like to play through their bigs passing. Um, both Taylor and Kada can really can really pass, so they'll miss those. But it'll be a it'll be an interesting team. I I do think they will make the tournament again. I do think they'll be fine. I think they'll win the Mountain West. But I do think it's interesting to bring up the the regression point. So the other Mountain West teams that I have, so I've I have five in total. Um, so I've. Utah State number one and the the only clear tournament team. I have New Mexico number two and the second to last team in. Um, you know we it, we touched on them. I just I just love their talent so much. You know even if there's chemi- chemistry concerns, you know I think that their talent is just overwhelming uh, for Mount West. I've San Diego State at number three and about a two seed in the NIT. Um, love their backcourt of Flynn. And uh, KJ Fegan, you know, Matt Matt Mitchell didn't really take the step forward that a lot of people thought last year. Um, but between him and you know they have a bunch of big guys in there, including Yanni Wetzel, the uh, stretch five grad transfer from from Vanderbilt. I think that, that they'll be good. I you know I just stack their roster up, up to the teams in that range, like Texas and Oklahoma State and USC, and you know I just I I just can't quite uh, get them into the tournament there. Um, fourth team, I have Nevada at number 80. So that would be a seven seed in the NIT, uh, but probably get, get bounced in the NIT. Um, again, I, I like some of their pieces. I think that they're probably one competent big man short of uh, you know being closer to, to the at-large picture. Like if like a Jordan Brown state, you know, I would have no qualms of putting Nevada uh, where I have the low Bows right now, and then I have, I have Boise State sneaking in there at number ninety six. Um, they are a little thin with, um, especially up front. If Key Job and Acot aren't aren't cleared to go right away, if they have to wait 
until the end of the first semester. Um, but I, th I think 96 is fair based on you know, where they finished last year and the uh, talent that they're bringing in. These, these two highly regarded high major guys are bringing back Austin and Jessup. Um, you know, I, I just kind of like that core there enough to, to kind of uh, stick them in the back of my rankings. Yeah, that's fair enough. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't have any qualms uh, there. San Diego State. Uh, I just love the playmaking potential in the backcourt. Flynn and Fegan are both very good in the pick and roll. You could put them, you know, in ball screens. You got a really nice, you know, center in, in Nate Mensa, who's like a roll guy, and then uh, Wetzel could play the four, or he could play some five as well. Mitchell's good. He's versatile. I really like him. You know, I think they've got some really nice, nice options with that that backcourt. I think they. It'll be an interesting team to watch and a team that could run up some wins if the chemistry is good. Um, Nevada, yeah, they, they're one piece away. Jordan Brown with that piece. Unfortunately, he walks, but, I mean, the roster is good. Like, Eric Parrish is going to be a very impactful player. Jalen Harris might be the best player on the team. Jazz Johnson can shoot. Lindsey Drew's good. I think Zuzua could help out this year. I mean, the front court, I think, can give them solid production. A guy like Robbie Robinson, a Juco kid, John Carlos Reyes, and a KJ Himes is another one who you'll watch. I think he'll start at the five, KJ Himes. But I mean, I'm interested to see how Al how Alford does with this this group. He he's a very polarizing coach uh, in in coaching circles. Uh, he he runs things very differently from Eric Musselman. You know, for everything that Musselman leaned into the media and social media, it's been much quieter Nevada. Uh, this offseason, which has been kind of disappointing because it was fun to watch uh, the way the way he used Twitter. It's been fun to watch him in Arkansas as well. Uh, I do think it's relevant to note UNLV. I don't think they're a top 100 team, but I don't think it's absurd to think they would be if they can get some like role player production, right? Because you've got Donnie Tillman, who is legit like one of the best players in Mountain West, like arguably. Could you argue he's the best player in the Mountain West other than Sam Merrill? Kata. Probably. But he's, Flynn. but he's certainly on, on par. I would say he's on par with like a Malachi Flynn. Sure. Or yeah. with a Jaquan Lyle. Like one of those like highly regarded players who has been successful at the IMH level. He's very good. So you have him. You have Elijah Wong, who I think will have a nice year as like a scoring point guard in that system in like the David Jenkins role which is pretty similar to what he did at Mount with, with Jamie and Christian. I mean, they, they need another piece to step up, but Jonah, Jonah Antonio can shoot. Amori Hardy is very good. Like, I think that backcourt. I mean, you, if you play, I think they'll probably play long Hardy at three and then Tillman. And then I, they got to figure out the five, like the depth isn't there, but the top end of those three guys is, is tough to beat. And if Otzelberger can kind of establish his culture, I think they'll be, uh, they'll be interesting in year one. If I have them at 108, um, so you know just outside that uh, top 100, um, backcourt looks good. They they need need uh, more more production, like you said, from the Bryce Hamiltons and the Jonah Antonios of the world. Um, you know, the uh, front court's going to be interesting, right? I think Chick and and back Jiang is probably the the guy who needs to take the step there in, in the front court. He'll he'll probably get get most of the minutes. I wonder if they'll go small at all and you know try to play Tillman with uh, Vitaly Scheibel. Scheibel's a guy, he's a two-year grad transfer from Arizona State. He was the starting power forward on their team that flamed out after 
reaching like number three in the country with Trey Holder and Shannon Evans and Cody Justice. He was the four man on that team. Then last year, completely fell out of favor. Uh, you know, behind guys like uh, Tayshawn Cherry and uh, Kamani Lawrence. But I mean, he's he's a very much like a role player, glue guy type. And if he's hitting shots, then then he's valuable. I don't, you know, he he he's not your your prototypical small ball five, right? He's he's no like uh, PJ Tucker or Draymond Green. Uh, but you know, maybe that's a look to uh, get get some of their best guys and get some more shooting on the court. Yeah, it'll be an interesting look. I think they could, they could do some interesting stuff with that, but. I think Ata's headed in the right direction. He's got a really nice recruiting class coming in in 2020. He's done a lot of work early, gotten uh, some high major kids uh, into the program. I know Nick Blake's well regarded. Jalen Martinez had high majors, so uh, they're very good shape long term. I think with Ata, I think that was a really nice hire. I know it didn't get the the acclaim or the the flashiness that UNLV wanted, the Thad Mottos, the Repetinos, but I don't know that was actually realistic. I think um, Ata has, has proven to be uh, a strong hire thus far. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's he's coached South Dakota State to some really good teams, and you know, you could say, well, well, he had Mike Dom and uh, David Jenkins, but you know, every every coach who has success is going to have players that you can point to and kind of question whether it's a player or the coach. You know, he b- between his his success at the mid major level and then his track record as an Iowa State assistant, I, you know, I. I think that that was a great hire. Um, anything else that you want to touch on with the Mount West? No, nah, WCC time. So I have a clear, clear top two. I'm sure you're the same. Gonzaga, St. Mary's. I have Gonzaga 17th, which is a little lower than um, what what most people have. And I have St. Mary's 23rd. Yeah, I'm in the uh, the same general tier. I have Gonzaga 13 and St. Mary's around 20. So for for the Zags, right, they they lose Tilly for at least the start of the season with a precautionary knee surgery. You know, he was someone who I who I pegged as a clear like bounce back player. Um, you know, after you know being relegated to a smaller role last year, coming off injury, having guys like Hachimura and Clark in the front court. You know, he he can stretch the floor, he can block shots. He's like a, he has elite elite role player potential. Um, on on this Zags team, they're going to need him to be, you know, either a best or second best offensive player. Um, so you know, he's he's a key player that uh, they need back. But the uh, front court for Gonzaga might be the deepest in the whole country. I mean, between Timmy, who is a top fifty recruit, can play the four and the five. Anton Watson, who was a six ten combo forward, who probably more of a four, long and athletic. Umar Ballo, a guy who I really like after watching him at U19 uh, playing for Mali, team that met uh, team Team USA in the final. He has, you know, kind of kind of Kata-ish to his game. I think he's probably gonna be better than Kata, but his um his eligibility is in question. I saw he hasn't been cleared yet. Um, you know, he's he's someone who who could really help them, and he's so young that he can't even declare for the NBA draft if if he wants to. So they'll. They'll definitely have him back next year, where he'll, he'll most likely be the starting center next year. Not to mention they have a top 100 recruit and Pavel Zakharov, and they have a guy who's probably going to start in the front court and a Philip Petrasev, uh, who got some uh, rotation minutes last year, can really score the ball uh, from from both inside and out. 
Yeah, I mean, they're loaded up front. I think that's that's pretty fair to say. It's really hard to find minutes for guys. I think Anton Watson might wind up playing more three than you would want just because you got so many guys to get on the floor. I, mean, I think he's going to be a really good four, ideally, as small ball four. But uh, it's really the guards that you have to worry about. They only have technically four scholarship guards. I think you can play Kispert at the two, but uh, they have four scholarship guards. I mean, Woolridge and Admin Gilder should both help. Uh, I think Woolridge is, is a really nice defender. He can he can scrap, and, and he's very speedy. North Texas kind of fell off the rails once he went out injured. Admin Gilder was a you know, legit third option on a Sweet 16 team, so you know, he should plug in nicely as, as, a, as a good guard. I think so much of this team depends on Joel Ai though, um, because he was so good in FIBA uh, U19. He's like a 6'5 combo guard. He can initiate some pick and roll. He can shoot the three. He can get downhill. He's long. He can defend. I mean, I don't think it would be stunning if he's their best guard. I mean, obviously, Gilder is, is right there and uh, is, is the favorite to do that. But if AI steps into that, which I think a lot expect him to step into being, you know, one of the best, one of the better, you know, guards on this team, maybe the best guard uh, on on this club, that, that really increases the upside because, you know, he looks special. In a tournament with Cade Cunningham and, you know, Umar Ballo and so many good prospects, I think AI was probably the best player at the tournament, just in terms of how he played. Yeah, I, w- I only saw one one France game, but I mean, he was he was very good. And you know, with him, Gilder, Woolridge in, in that backcourt, you know, that's that's enough to kind of stop the bleeding. Definitely, you know, that was left when when Zach Norvell left early, unexpectedly there. Um, but you know, the, the front court is is certainly this. This team's strength, and you know, in in the WCC, that could go a long way when they're going to have such a front court advantage over everyone. Um, Saint Saint Mary's has a good front court, but nothing compared to uh, Gonzaga. I mean, the uh, Zags might might have the uh, deepest front court in the entire country. I mean, maybe Kansas too. But I mean, I I just can't can't stress enough how how talented this is, and you know, may, maybe playing lineups with Watson at the three, and you know, Ballo playing with Timmy. And Watson and Kispert and Woolridge, you know, were just overpowering these other WCC teams with just so much size and so much length. You know, that could be so so uh, suffocating defensively and so uh, disruptive on that end. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they'll have a problem in the WCC. I think it'd more be non-conference play that, that they have some things to work through. Uh, but yeah, they're just going to overwhelm everybody except St. Mary's, and even St. Mary's, they'll kind of overwhelm with their front court. Uh, I don't know that they're a national title contender. I know Bovada has them 20 to 1 uh, to win it all. So, in the same range as Villanova, um, Florida's 18 to 1, which I think is great value. Maryland, 25 to 1. So, it's kind of that tier. Uh, I think that may be a little rich, but you know, I think they're. they're I, I, I've come around on the Zags a little bit more than I have in the past, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. For me, you know, I, I had them outside my my top 25 until they got a point guard. Um, and then between how, how Ballo looked at U19 and Ayayi, um, moved them in comfortably at number 17. In terms of, in terms of uh, St. Mary's, who um, I, I have a number 23 in my rankings, they're a team that's you know, running it back for the most part, and they're adding Aaron Menzies at the center position and Chris Zorix 
who will probably come off the bench as like a backup point guard. Um, but both guys who were projected to play roles for St. Mary's last year missed the year with injury. Menzies, a 7-3 center, uh, former grad transfer from Seattle. He'll, he'll pair with Matthias Thoss, who, uh, Toss, excuse me, who, who was a former top, top 100 recruit in a, his own right, giving St. Mary's a great center duo there. Um, and then and the, the backcourt, I mean, you have Jordan Ford is one of the best guards in the country, you know, who can really score the ball. You have, you know, solid role players around him with Krebs and, and, and QZ. And then a, a ideal modern-day power forward in uh, Malik Fitz, who ha- had a huge year uh, pr- pretty unexpectedly after coming over from uh, South Florida. Do you know if Logan Johnston is eligible? I think they're trying for a waiver. He is is from California, though. Yes, and there was a coaching change. Um, I mean, that would be big. I mean, he wasn't terrific, but, I mean, he'd add another guard, especially if Zorix doesn't doesn't come back healthy. He he does a lot. I like like Johnson there if he can kind of slot in. Um, Let me see if I... I'm gonna read there. Just read the release. See if they say he's to sit out. Because um, I I really liked what what he did at uh, Cincinnati last year. It was in limited minutes because you know they have Cumberland, they have two senior point guards in Jennifer and Kane Broom. But you know I I liked him whenever he's in there. I think he has some some upside as kind of like a scoring combo guard. Um, so you know, he's an ideal replacement for when Jordan Ford graduates. Uh, you you can slot in uh, him into that two guard spot next year. Um, and if he's eligible to play, you know maybe they, maybe, maybe they start him with a four, or maybe he comes off the bench as like a uh, super sixth man. Agreed, agreed. Um, so then I have two others in my top 100 from the WCC. I have BYU and Pepperdine. B, uh, BYU is is dropping fast for me. I mean, they lose Gavin Baxter for the season with an injury, and he's getting a second opinion, but it doesn't look good. Yoli Childs out for the first nine games. That kind of is raining on the parade a little bit. I know they're going to try for a waiver late for Alex Barcelo, um, but I don't know how probable that is. Um, I know Nick Emery left the team. I wasn't really counting on him, but uh, it is notable nonetheless. So uh, I still think they're a top 100 team. You know, Hawes, Jake Toulson, and Yoli Childs were the only uh, only trio to have three guys ranked uh, in my top 10 mid-major positional rankings. You know, Toulson can really, really shoot the ball. Hawes is a, you know, really nice point guard who I think will fit well with what Mark Pope does. And Childs is, is a superstar. I mean, that was a huge get to bring him back. I think it's really just about trying to find people who can, you know, maybe break out a little bit and give them more options. I think Baxter was a prime candidate for that. So for him to be out is, is certainly big, but... I like Mark Pope as a coach a lot. I think he'll give them a jolt. I thought he, he did a really, really terrific job at Utah State. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he had built, built some really good uh, Utah Valley teams. They were deep. They had uh, some, some, some great transfers. Often, ironically, from, from BYU, you know, there was almost like a, a farm system going on there. Uh, but he takes Jake Toulson with him, and they have TJ Hawes. So, I mean, that's, that's a good place to start, even with the injuries in us. And the uh, suspension to a Yoli Childs. I have them tentatively at 77. I'm thinking about moving them down too. And then I, I have Pepperdine at 112. I was higher on Pepperdine originally. You know, they have a great point guard in Colby Ross. Um, they uh, return a lot of their supporting cast. They add 
Keith Smith, who was a rotation player for two years, including one year on Oregon's Final Four team, um, you know, both, both his years at, at Oregon. Uh, Kessler Edwards is someone who was invited to U19 camp. He's a kind of a wing shooter. So, I mean, they, they have a lot of things going for them. I just, you know, when, when they had MJ Cage, um, I, I thought, you know, he, he provided them a lot of stability at center as a rim protector. Now with him gone, I think the, the center position is a little more unclear. They're going to have to go small a lot more. Um, so I have them j- just outside the top 100. If they had Cage, I, I, I had them in the, in the NIT mix. Um, but unfortunately, it looks like he's not on the team. Yeah, there could be some interesting potential, though, to go smaller with the Edwards, twi- the Edwards brothers on twins at the four and the five. Uh, Cameron was like a eight rebound a game guy last year when healthy, so that'll help. Kessler Edwards just put on some weight. You know, he could be a pretty terrific small ball four. You play Keith Smith at three. Uh, Ross is your one, and then you slide in like an Andre Andre Ball, uh, Daryl Polk, someone like that is is your your last guy. I don't love the depth, but I think they're they're still kind of in that left Boise State range, right around the back end of a a top one hundred. I think there's there's some equity there. I know. I saw someone who tweeted they were a legit at-large team. I thought that was very rich, but, you know, it is, is what it is. So that's all I have on on the WCC, really. I, I have San Francisco 130 at, I guess, 132. I'm still trying to place them, Georgia Southern, and Louisiana Tech, and eventually build out to 150. Um, I know little. Loyola Marymount, I think, lost their their big center. I think he's redshirting. I saw. Um, I think that's kind of it for for the WCC. Yeah, there's a pretty big drop off pretty quickly um, in terms of top 100 equity in the rest of the conference, and that's kind of disappointing given the growth I think throughout the league over the last couple of years. I think Santa Clara has a little bit of juice. Um, Taji is a very good guard. Trey Works was very good as a freshman. I know they're very high on him. Um, you know, they've got some pieces. And uh, Jaden Bediaco, um, who's a very uh, – he's still got to lose some weight, but he, was a, he played for Canada a little bit on that U19 team. He's like a – kind of like Prince Oduro, who wound up at Siena and then transferred to Mississippi State. Um, like, a, like lots of post moves, but doesn't have great touch, um, but probably can impact things like a 15-minute-game basis, like an energy guy. So – just kind of random thoughts on Santa Clara, who I don't think it's a top 100 team, but I think they're they're interesting enough at least to, to get a mention on this podcast. So I have one other mid-major team that we didn't mention who I have in my projected at-large at field. That's Western Kentucky. I'm, I'm all in on these super talented, questionably coached teams. Um, I'm, just, I'm just all in. And, you know, if, if Kenny Cooper get, gets a waiver, he's the Lipscomb transfer. I'm thinking about moving them into my top 25. I'm, I mean, they have, they have just, you know, kind of like New Mexico. They, they have so much talent, and, and last year went, went so poorly. I think because, you know, w- when I watched them early on in the season, I mean, Charles Bassey is their best player by far, and they, they were really struggling getting him the ball. You know, guys like Josh Anderson, Tavian Hollingsworth, you know, they wanted to take their own shots, kind of create for themselves. I think, you know, with a more facilitated, point guard and Kenny Cooper in there. Um, it can kind of add, add some more balance to this roster, which is, also has a lot of depth. You know, even with Eli Wright leaving, which we all call them transferring there, 
Kevin and I texted each other at, at the same time. I, I texted him a screenshot of the distance between Wright's hometown from the St. John's bio to Western Kentucky, and, and it was in the waiver distance. Um, you know, right, right when that happened. But you know, he wasn't going to play a lot on this team. They have, they have Savage coming back. They have Hollinsworth coming back. Cam Justice, the grad transfer. Carson Williams, the Northern Kentucky power forward transfer. Uh, you know, the, Jordan Jordan Rawls, a top 150 recruit. I mean, this team's just loaded. They have scoring. They have some length with Anderson. They have a great center. Uh, I'm just I'm just very very bullish on this team. Well, as as we're joking about things we called Cameron Justice to uh to Western Kentucky. I know if it geographically, I think he's from the region, but I mean, grad uh, grad transfers going to the wrong place. I mean, come on, dude. You got Northwesterns out there. They desperately needed a guard who could score. There was Michigan. Yeah, there were there were ten high majors who would have taken it in a heartbeat. And he goes to play at Western. I mean, like, is he? He's better than Savage. He's probably better than Hollingsworth. He might be their best guard, but. It wasn't a need. Come on, guys. We gotta we got we gotta make all the teams interesting. Shame on you, Cam Justice. But now the big loss I think for me is Tolu Smith. You know, he was very interesting down the stretch. I know he, he took a he took a sit out like a like a scholarship deal where he's not gonna get the scholarship this year while he's sitting out of Mississippi State. Um, but he left because he was gonna be behind Bassey. I mean, I could have seen him playing some four and some small and, and some bigger lineups. I mean, he's very good. Uh, and it led them to bring back Matt Horton, who had originally transferred out of the program. Uh, but there, I mean, Bassey's so good. I mean, he shot 77% of the rim last season. I mean, that's a ridiculous number. Cooper is is the swing piece because he's a very good point guard. He's kind of accustomed to the the situation he'd be in where not look to score, more just to, to really provide pace and to distribute. Um, he kind of fits that role perfectly. So hopefully he is eligible. I know there's confidence that he will be. I just don't know. It, it will go through. We never know with the NCAA. Um, but I think they're the clear favorite in the CUSA. I think UTEP's interesting. UAB is another very interesting team. Um, wrote that preview last week and uh, got through a lot of the, the CUSA. There's a lot of interesting teams. Uh, I only have two other top one. I have only one other top 100 in UTEP, but you can make a case for about four or five. Yeah, so I'm actually very high on a conference USA. I, I, I have Western Kentucky right now at 39 with Cooper, they would move up uh, pretty considerably. I have UTEP at 86. You know, they have a lot of really good pieces coming in. Uh, Bryson Williams, power forward from Fresno State, who I know o- Oregon was, if if not actively recruiting him, at least to kick the tires at, as a transfer. Between him and they have um, Anthony Tarkey from NJIT, who, who's a wing scorer. They have... Sule Boom from uh, San Francisco. You know, this injected so much talent. And, you know, some of these guys might be flawed, but in, in terms of a complete rebuild, I mean, UTEP was pretty much sub 300 last year. They're, I mean, they were 299, I think, in, in uh, Ken Palm. I'll have to double check that. But they were, they were very, very low, right? They had very few scholarship players because so many guys were uh, sitting out. But, I mean, this is a serious injection of talent. They're getting Daryl Edwards from, from LSU, too. Um, it's kind of like a shooter on the wing as well. I mean, this this is another loaded roster. Um, and then I, I, I have San Antonio um, rounding out my, my top 100 at number 100. Um, they have two great scoring guards in Jahavian Jackson and uh, Ke- Keaton Wallace. They have a Pepperdine transfer on the wing, who I think is a nice compliment, and Knox Hellams will provide some shooting. And then there are 
front court is largely back. They have a t- top 150 recruit coming in too, and uh, Jacob Germany. And they have uh, AJ Ford's another guy started his his career in the A10 at Richmond. Um, so think th- think that there's a lot lot to like about that San Antonio team. And then you know as as you move down further, I mean you could make a case for for like you said um, UAB. You could make a case for Louisiana Tech. You know that there's there's a couple of teams in the mix there. Yeah, I'm kind of out. I'm out on UTSA in terms of like dangerous mid-major territory. I just feel like they're going to be a team of like they they are kind of what they are. They're 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 two chuckers who are very very good chuckers who can win you a game, but they can also lose you a game. Uh, one sneaky loss they lost Gio Denicolau, who is their point guard last year. They let let J- Javon Jackson and Keaton Wallace play the two and the three and free them up to score. But Denicolau was their kind of steadying force. He was the guy who. You know, could slow the game down if they needed to catch their breath, you know, not turn the ball over, not force shots. I think they're going to miss him more than you'd think, and I think they'll probably want to put in the ball in the hands of Jackson and, and play him at the point with Wallace at the two. And he had the ball a ton last year anyway. But I think they'll miss that veteran presence. Um, so in my mind, that that's one thing to be concerned about with UTSA. I have him a fifth in the conference. Uh, UAB is the team I, I, I think will be very, very good. If you remember... I mean, they were playing Old Dominion, who was very, very good last year um, in the conference tournament in the semifinal. And they had a wide-open look to win the game on a buzzer beater. And I think it was Zach Bryant just overthrew the pass. Like, he just, just gunned it over the guy's head. But, it, but the pass was there to be made for, like, a wide-open layup to win, win to win the game and probably go on to win the conference. Um I wish Rashawn Fredericks was going to be eligible. I think he's going to have the red shirt. But, like, they've got Bryant, who's terrific. I've heard a lot of good things about Mokhtar Gay, who can stretch the floor some, shot the ball much better down the stretch. Uh, Taven Levan is a guy who can really impact things as an athlete. Uh, I think they'll be a, a pretty interesting team. So I think um, moving on to kind of the next team in my top 100 hierarchy, um, I, I have Missouri State at number 54. We touched on them earlier this summer uh, with, with a deep dive. You know, love, love their talent level, love their front court especially. Um, adding G- Gage Prim, the uh, number two JUCO player in the country. You know, add, adding Josh Hall, the glue guy from from Nevada to to a, a, a you know, and, and West Virginia's uh, Lamont West. You know, who, who who can space the floor at, as a stretch four? But I think that you know this. This conference is super interesting because of the lack of separation. I think from two to you know, almost the bottom, right? Where you look at like Bradley, Northern Iowa, Loyola Chicago, even um, even Valpo and Illinois State, which I know the uh, Valley fans aren't 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 super high on, but I think that there's reasons with their newcomers to be high on them. I I have all those teams I just mentioned in the top one, in between one hundred three. And 120. So I Bradley at 103, it, Illinois State at at 120, and that was like five or six teams in there. Yeah, it's kind of hard to peg exactly where uh, to put some of these Missouri Valley teams in like a in a national picture, but it's so deep. I remember I think it was you tweet out your top top 100 and like retweeted it, and someone like was started to comment about how like the Valley was like very underrated, and I was like I think we have the same opinion where it's like. There's a ton of Valley teams that are pretty much the same in our minds. And, like, 
you could rank them all in the top 100. You can rank none of them in the top 100. And I think you probably just came out just outside the top 100. Um, but yeah, I think like, unless you're Southern Illinois, there's reason for optimism that you could be a top three team in the league for every single team. Right? You just roll it down. Like Bradley, defending title, add Danny Kingsby, already have Childs and Daryl Brown. Drake, really good coach, great culture. Um, Roman Penn comes in. He could play some point guard. They have the Murphy brothers. Uh, DJ Wilkins was terrific last year. They're recruiting well. Um, Brady Ernst kind of solidifies the front court a little bit. Noah Thomas is there. Evansville, Sam Cunliffe's there. Uh, The other guy to watch is, I I think his name is DeAndre Williams. He was a a, a non-qualifier, but would have been a top 150 recruit last year. Uh, They get uh, mid-season eligible Peace Yagoma from Pitt. Who's like a that's like a steady big man. KJ Riley is a very good wing who played well last year. Um, like there, there's optimism there. Illinois State, you know, ditch Malik Yarborough. Hopefully, a better chemistry. Talent has not been the problem, and they're they're talented again. Keith Fisher comes in uh, from San Jose State. Uh, he should help there. Indiana State has maybe the best backcourt in the league with Tyree Key and Jordan, or yeah, Tyree Key and Jordan Barnes, two guys who can really score the basketball. Um, they have uh, Christian Williams and, and uh, Cooper Nice too, right? Correct. Well, ye, Christian Williams might – yeah, Christian Williams is still there. He's a senior now. I thought he might have graduated. But Former Loyola's Iowa got, starting point guard, briefly. True enough. Loyola's got a very good roster and a really good coach. Um, you, know, like, you just go down. Valpo's got Javon Freeman, who I love. Northern Iowa's got A.J. Green, the good coach. Like, there's, there's a case for all of them. So Valley will be fun. Yeah, because, I mean, looking at Valpo, right, they have Ryan Fizikas, who uh, showed showed some uh, flashes at, at Providence. You know, he can really shoot the ball. Freeman was like a high-major caliber player um, who, you know, was a freshman last year. Aaron Gordon, you know, he was solid-ish as a backup point guard at Seton Hall, but, you know, he had a very uh, restricted role, right, Pl- playing behind Kadeen Carrington and Miles Powell. You know, he'll, he'll have some more more freedom to see what he can do with the ball. Nick, Nick Robinson was, was a pretty good player on uh, St. Joe's in the Atlantic 10. So, I mean, they just need to find some uh, stability with the bench and in the center. And, and uh, this team's looking pretty good as well. Uh, you mentioned Northern Iowa having a, a former top 100 player in AJ green. Uh, the uh, defense is always, always strong with uh, Ben, Ben Jacobson. And, you know, this is another team that's, returning a large portion of, of their roster. Um, you know, they have, you know, they have a ton of, uh, of returning big men as well. Um, so, you know, that's, that, that's another reason to be bullish on them as well. So, uh, the Valley super interesting. Um, they don't, don't have a ton else in there. Um, you know, that's just a league with a lot of interesting transfers too coming into watch. Yeah, no, I, would echo all of that. I think Javon Freeman, though, in particular, is, is really, really good. Like, people sleep on just how good uh, Javon Freeman is going to be and already is. Um, other mid-major teams that should be mentioned. Uh, one that I really like, South Alabama, out of the Sun Belt. Um, they're going to add a couple of really good transfers. They add Andre Fox, who was like a 16-point-a-game guy at high point. And then they also add Don Coleman, who was the... Uh, the star, albeit inefficiently, on that horrible Cal team. Both guys can like kind of create shots and 
and ball handle from my understanding from what I spoke people I've spoken with around the program um they're going to be kind of a free-flowing team where they're going to have you know Fox can play in ball screens Chad Lott from Howard can play in ball screens Don Coleman can play in ball screens and then they've got a really good front court uh Trey Mitchell is kind of one of the most underrated guys I think in the country he can really do everything on the floor he can pass he can uh defend multiple positions and then Josh Ajayi is a, a nice big man, not to be confused with Josh Ayeni. Of course, you know, South Alabama decided to have Josh Ajayi and Josh Ayeni on the same roster. I feel bad for the play-by-play broadcasters. Ayeni, uh, the transfer from St. Bonaventure, had showed some promise at times in his career, had motor issues, so that's something to watch. But Ajayi is a guy who is, is very skilled for uh, a bruiser uh, to play some five uh, next to Mitchell. They've got a really good starting lineup, and Richie Riley's done – a nice job flipping this thing quick. Absolutely. I have, I have South Alabama at number 88 uh, and in the auto qualifier from the Sun Belt. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to watch them. You know, maybe they're in a similar boat as, as UTEP. I think maybe UTEP's slightly more talented, um, but I think South Alabama has better returners uh, with, their, with their front court duo there. Um, so, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, that's, that's all I really have for the Sun Belt. Um, we had touched on Liberty a lot earlier when we spoke to Coach McKay uh, this summer. That's a team that was a NIT at-large caliber, won the auto bid over Lipscomb in a, a great great game with uh, Scotty James' famous flop uh, that everyone was, was, was very up in arms about. At least I think that was that game. The Lipscomb um, game, yes. Yeah, where, where he like what wasn't touched and kind of like threw himself back, and everyone was all. Yeah, Corey Alexander was convinced that like Scotty James had committed murder. And everyone's <laughs> like, dude, you didn't. They didn't touch him. <laughs> so, so that's 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 really about it for the A Sun. Um, but so I have I have Liberty at at number sixty, and number sixty one I have New Mexico State, which I think we mentioned last week. They have like a million guys. Uh, but they, you know, that's that's another team that was that was good last year. They're returning a lot. They have a lot of veterans. I know uh, NBA draft people love uh, Trevelyn Queen. Um, you know, he his, his stats are kind of subdued because the Aggies play so many guys that you know he doesn't play a ton of minutes. But you know he he fits the profile of what you're looking for in in a, a wing player. You know he he can hit shots. He he's athletic. Um, the the backcourt returns. They add Sean Williams from ECU, um, and then at at the center spot, Yvonne Oricorea. Not not correct pronunciation, but he's like a very good uh, low low post player. Very very fun to watch. He's a skilled interior player there. So I mean that's that's a veteran laden team. Um, that's you know that that I could could push for an at for an at large bid if things break right. Yeah, they're really, really good. They're at large caliber. I don't know if they have an at large schedule, but um, they're 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 an excellent, excellent basketball team. One guy to watch up front that you didn't mention is Wilfred Lakai, one of the better JUCO players in the country. Uh, but they're 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 very very talented. The backcourt, you know, Terrell Brown, AJ Harris, Sean Williams. Um, you know, they've they've got some pieces, and, and Johnny McCants is a guy that they play up front who can play as well. So they are very, very deep. Very, very talented, very well coached. Um, I really like Grand Canyon, but I just don't see how you can justify putting 
anyone above New Mexico State preseason. Yeah, so I have Grand Canyon at 101 with an asterisk. The asterisk being if, if and when Jalen Fisher gets the waiver, I'll, I'll certainly move them in and kind of look where to slot them. You know, I'm a big Fisher guy from his time at a TCU. And, you know, the, the, they bring back – well, well, they bring in a, a great, great backcourt around Fisher with guys like Jovan Blackshear, who's a freshman, Isaiah Brown, the Northwestern scoring guard, um, Mikey Dixon, I think is second semester eligible. He's another scoring guard from, from St. John's. They uh, get Carlos Johnson, who's a Washington transfer. Uh, you know, this uh, whole, whole roster has a lot of transfer flavor to it. Which I really like, and they add, or or or, or they bring back Alessandro Lever in the middle. Uh, but you know, guys like Oscar Frere was a former Cal commit. Uh, Louis Bangay was UNLV. Lorenzo Jenkins was Arkansas, uh, and and uh, Colorado State, I think, as well. Um, Isaiah Brown, Northwestern, Fisher, TCU. I mean, this is a a cert- certainly a, a transfer heavy lineup. Yeah, and the guy to watch is Javon Blackshear, freshman point guard. He is the future of this program. He's very, very good. Uh, they've got some, they've got some interesting pieces. Brown is a guy who never really fit with Chris Collins. They never meshed, but can really score. Like he is very talented. I think he can maybe run the point if you play him with another point guard. Um, like if you're, if you're like in a two point guard backcourt, I think it's fine. I don't think you could play him like at the one with Carlos Johnson with the two and go bigger. Um. Yeah, it's just, I mean, Freyer I'm out on. I think he stinks. He's never gotten better. It's very frustrating. Uh, Laver didn't really make the jump I had hoped. I think Ben Guy might be a sneaky important piece as like a backup center uh, for them. Otherwise, they're they're pretty thin up front. But the guards are so talented. I think Fisher is going to be eligible. We don't have official confirmation on that. Uh, we'll wait to see. But I think with the, the group they have, you have to be very excited about the possibilities uh, for uh, Danny Marley's club. I think that'd be that'd be pretty interesting. Um, and then a quick note on the WAC as a whole: Cal Baptist has uh, ha- has another grad transfer who could have helped another team, and Brandon Boyd, uh, who goes to pair with Milana Qua for a really good uh, really good backcourt. They also have Ferran Flavor from Fairfield. Cal Baptist could be pretty interesting. Probably not top 100, but interesting nonetheless. Seattle has a very good roster and a very good coach in Jim Hayford. And then um, Cal Bakersfield might sneaky have like the best player in the league other than Jalen Fisher and Trev Queen in uh, DeMonte Buckingham, who was terrific at, uh, at Richmond. Yeah, I, I ranked Buckingham among my best sit-out transfers. He was someone who had a lot of buzz as a freshman at, at a Richmond and you know, didn't, didn't really make the jump as a sophomore. Nonetheless, he's in for a big year at uh, Bakersfield. Uh, that's really all, all I had on the whack, too. The next team in my South 100 hierarchy was East Tennessee State, well, I have at number 71, um, so, you know, 13 or 14 seed in the NCAA tournament. You know, they are returning a lot of their team. Love love the front court uh, kind of trio there of Jeremy Rodriguez, Joe Hughley, who's a grad transfer from, I think, Central Connecticut State, and then Lucas Enguasson, who is a former rotation player at Oklahoma State. He's like this super lanky seven footer with or, or at least when he was on Oklahoma State I think he had like a big big afro might be mistaken on that might be confusing that with Lucas no Nogajera in the NBA or 
former NBA. But nonetheless, three really solid front court pieces that they can mix and match, um, and they return a lot of their backcourt as well. Yeah, they're they have a great roster. Bo Hodges is really really good. Um, Tisdale and Boyd are nice. Davian Williamson's got to watch out for as a breakout guy. He'd be at the top of every breakout list I'd ever make. Uh, if not for the fact that they're loaded enough where he might not get the opportunity to truly break out. Um, but yeah, the front court's really good. One guy to watch long-term is Charlie Weber. Um, I know you have like West Virginia interest. He's like a 6'9", um, like do it all for man. He can shoot, he can scrap down low. He's very good for Bishop O'Connell in Virginia. So that was a nice get for Steve Forbes. Steve Forbes is one of the better coaches, I think, nationally, but doesn't get enough credit for just how good he is. Um but this team will be good. This team is this. This is your typical like giant killer looking team that could win an NCAA tournament game. Like experience, five seniors on the roster, you know, coaching, talent, guards, you name it, they've got. It's weird because I I saw the uh, SoCon preseason poll today. Who, who else would have given Greensboro a, a vote over over East Tennessee State besides obviously Forbes who can't vote for himself. I think there's at least a case to be made, especially with the uh, with a Malay Narmus leaving. You can at least argue that, like with Isaiah Miller, who's probably the best player in the league. Wes Miller is such a good coach. You have a, a good good transfer uh, who I think will make an impact in a uh, Michael Hewitt. He can shoot the ball. He was he was like a high major kid out of high school, went to Old Dominion and didn't really play, but he could he could shoot it. They have two good guards coming in as well in Keyshawn and Kobe Langley, who were originally committed to Virginia Tech. Uh, and then James Dickey up front is very good. Like, I don't think I, don't think I would do it, certainly. Um, but it is, in, it is still, I, I think, at least understandable to put them in the same conversation. Uh, quick question for you, Brad. What is Isaiah Miller's vertical jump? I'm guessing it's in the... Mid mid forties plus in, in, in inflated a few inches. <laughs> I love that so much. Plus inflated a few inches. UNC uh, Greensboro measured out a fifty inch vertical for him, which right. like let, let, is absurd. Wait wait wait, wait say, say that sentence again. UNC Greensboro measured a fifty inch. UNC Greensboro measured. <laughs> Still. He is an NBA athlete and a great defender, elite defender. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a super good player. reason why I, I still have UNCG in my top 150. I have them at number 108. Um, and then I also have two other SOCON teams, Wofford and Furman. I have at 129 and 131, respectively. I think that they'll both be okay. Definitely worse than last year. I think especially Furman's was more of a fluke last year. Um, Wofford losing their coach, losing Fletcher McGee, losing KV Aluma and Cameron Jackson. Uh, but I think that they have enough pieces to be at least interesting, right? Be- being the third or fourth best team in the SoCon, you know, they'll be, what, 12 and 6, 11 and 7, uh, you know, maybe make it to the conference championship and, you know, and uh, put a run into, into East Tennessee. One name to watch in the SoCon, Noah Gurley and Furman. He's like a, like a 6'8 combo forward who does a lot of different things on the floor. He's a breakout candidate for sure to watch um, with Jordan Lyons next to him. Wofford well, don't really buy the hype, right? It's a new coach, and I think they'll pretty pretty much run the same stuff. But, I mean, 
I think people don't understand how good they were defensively last year, and that was because of Aluma and Cameron Jackson. Um, I think they lose that identity, and now they're just a bunch of white shooters and who are you know very good players. But I don't. I, I think a lot of the juice is gone with that team. So maybe maybe top one fifty, maybe top one hundred, maybe top one fifty. Um, but I'm not overly excited about Wofford coming into the year. No, and I I think that they're going to be pumped up a lot by. By you know, their brand is definitely growing. I think that they're going to be you know, kind of similar to a Loyola Chicago of, of last year, where we see them a little bit, which is great for Wofford, and I'm sure that they'll be back um, pretty soon if they've gotten solid recruits. Um, I don't know, must not have been Wofford then, but there was forget forget what I just said about Wofford. Um, for some reason, I thought that they that they pulled some like us. Surprisingly good, good recruits. I know that some people liked uh, David Applegren, but that I wasn't who I was thinking about. But anyway, Wofford and Firm and I have 129 and 131 respectively. Um, the next team in my hierarchy was Harvard, who's getting some top 25 buzz. I had them at 73. They're getting I, top 25 buzz from one person. A couple people. Mostly one person. M- mostly Mr. Rothstein, but... Who seems to love Tommy Amaker? They have they have Bryce Aiken. If uh, Seth Towns is healthy, they could certainly make the tournament again. Um, Chris Ledlam was a big time recruit for them. Picked Harvard over some high majors. He was definitely top one hundred and fifty, maybe even top one hundred. Noah Kirkwood was was a great last year, but I I think anything more than you know thirteen or fourteen seed is kind of pushing it. In terms of projection, I don't, I don't see this team really as an at-large. Um, like, like, like Aiken and Towns are very good, but I just don't see the, the supporting cast allowing them to jump that that much. I think there's enough of a supporting cast there because you've got, like, you Aiken and Towns are probably the two best players of the conference. Lewis is a great big man. Juricic's a shooter. Mason Forbes is solid. Um, Ledlam is a you know high level rotation player who would play he would play rotation minutes on a lot of high majors. Kirkwood I really like. Like I think they have enough talent wise to be an at large team. And, and this doesn't really make a ton of sense like in terms of just like a justification. But like they've never been healthy, right? Like I feel like every year for the last like three years it's been man Harvard like watch out for this team they're so loaded talent wise like so and then something happens Bryce Aiken gets hurt Seth Towns gets hurt. You know, a Kirkwood is, is isn't isn't available right away or something like that. Like, there's always been an injury or two or three, or something that has kept them from really putting it together all the way back to like Siani Chambers on that on that one team where he tore the ACL. Like, there's been some there's been some demons for 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 the Harvard Crimson, right? I mean, they're talented, sure. I mean, I I think if they're fully fully healthy, I do question a little bit Bryce Aiken playing full time point guard. But I, I think they'll be a very, very good basketball team. I think you, you could tell me, if, if you gave me a fully healthy team, I would say top 50 preseason. But it's just very hard for me to project that because they just haven't been yet. And if they put it all together, I mean, good for them because they're talented, talented, talented. They're, they're legit out recruiting a lot of high majors at this point. Yeah, as, as they should because they have a great uh, competitive advantage there with – you know, with the education that you know they can they can really have a lot of cachet with a certain level of prospect that's you know got 
that's what they're getting, you know, in that 100 to a 200 range, which is pretty un, unprecedented, unprecedented for the Ivy League. The only other Ivy team that I had close to the top 100 was Penn, um, who I put at 106. You know, they have eight. A.J. Broder is a really good big man. Uh, they have a couple other guys back, but I just don't really see why this team is that special. I kind of just move them up because everybody else has them up. Um, you know, I think I think T, T rank has, I mean, in in the top 100, I think I've seen other people uh, speak about Penn very very favorably. I didn't I didn't watch much Penn at all last year. I probably only watched them uh, when they when they beat Villanova, right? <laughs> I yeah, definitely they... watched that game. Um, but yeah, I just I see them as being good, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily consider them a top 100 team. They need a breakout somewhere. Maybe it's Michael Wong who showed promise. Like if you remember in that Villanova game, Wong looked really good. Um, but he never quite put it together. Um, kind of fell out of the rotation at times at the end of the year. Uh, Ryan Bentley should be healthy. He missed like the entire year, so that'd be a very helpful. He's like a 14-point a game guy. Such an all-conference guy. He'll play a senior year and then presumably be a grad transfer. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think if you put him in the top 100, I wouldn't argue. But I wouldn't be, you know, oh my god, you have to rank him. Okay, just move, moving down the hierarchy. Next conference, I have Vermont at number 75. Awesome front court, right? We have Anthony Lamb is one of the best power forwards in, in, in the entire country, let alone mid-major basketball. They have Daniel Giddens, a former top recruit, really big guy, never put it together, shown, shown some flashes at Ohio State and Alabama. But, I mean, he, he, he really needs to produce in the, in the America East, and there's no reason uh, for him not to. They also get a waiver for Duncan DeMuth, kind of a stretch four-ish type of guy. Um, not, not 100% sure of his shooting numbers last year, but he got some run on Oklahoma State after all, all those suspensions, former three-star recruit. Um, they, they lose one Duncan, but two remain who will probably start, and then either Ben Shungu or Steph Smith as a starting point guard. Kind of, I think Shungu won the job late from, from Smith, but you know, there's, there's a lot to like with this team, especially with the front court. Yeah, I mean, Giddens, the Giddens get was all about March. It had nothing to do with A's play. They were, they were not having a problem up front. Um, with America East play, they were having a problem uh, when it came to, okay, we got to play Florida State, and we just don't have the size. And Giddens given that size. I mean, he should do work and, and crush that league. Um, even if he doesn't, though, I mean, he just provides a presence. I mean, he's something who's someone who can eat minutes and, and fouls uh, in, a, in a game like that. I think that's pretty valuable. Um, for, for, for them and, and Demuth, another guy who just brings the size to the table. Lamb is terrific, like you said. I'm interested to see how they work out um, dealing with that Ernie Duncan. He was he, he really played point guard a lot of last year, even though Steph Smith was there. Smith kind of struggled running the show, became more of that scoring guard. They bring in Aaron Deloney as a freshman. He played a, a ton of minutes on a bad UIBL team and put up big numbers. Uh, I think he kind of fits more of that scoring guard mold, but he could help out as well. Uh, and then very disappointing to see that um, – I'm just realizing this now. It's been a little while, I think, since he actually did uh, depart. Yeah, it has been. But my favorite name in college basketball, Keon Dalley-Rimple, transferred last summer. I'm very sad. Was he a uh, scholarship guy? 
Yeah, he was like a he was like a wing that they had taken. I think he was a Canadian. Um, they they get like every like decent mid major recruit because they get them to come visit over the summer when it's warm, and like their campus is beautiful, and they they crush it. And like you visit in the winter and you're like, ugh, cool. But they they they've had some guys transfer that hasn't been their fault. It's just been like they they just have too many players that are good. Well, uh, luckily Anthony Lamb is still there, and he's the main reason. Uh, that 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 they could see another NCAA tournament berth. Just uh, moving on down the line for these one bid leagues. I have Belmont at number eighty three. Uh, they obviously lose D- Dylan Windler. They're not going to be as good as they were last year. But you know, a lot of people were 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 very excited about their freshman core last year. Um, you know, guys like Nick Nick Mazinski and uh, Grayson Murphy, who were able to play a lot and, and were and were very productive last year for for Belmont. Uh, Mazinski's probably a top 50 center in the country. Um, you have him and you add BU, uh, that's, that's a Boston University uh, grad transfer, Tyler Scanlon, to try to fill that Windler uh, archetype. He's obviously not going to be the player that Windler was. Um, but So that's, that's an interesting frontcourt pairing. Uh, they have, they have a, a, a strong backcourt. I mentioned Murphy. They also have Nick, Nick Hopkins back, and they have a few other guys like like. At, Adelsberger and uh, Hollander, who, who were able to get some minutes last year. Obviously, coaching change going from uh, Rick Bird to his former assistant, Casey Alexander, who did a great job with uh, Lipscomb uh, the uh, past year. But I, I still think that Belmont's an NCAA tournament team. I think, think, think they win their league and kind of settle in that kind of 80 to 100 range. Yeah, I'll make my case for Murray State. You could certainly argue for either. And obviously, losing Ja will, will, will hurt. But this roster is still really good. I think Tevin Brown is going to be a 20-plus point-per-game scorer. I think he's going to absolutely burst onto the scene, or at least 17-plus. I mean, he's going to be a terrific scorer for them. He can really shoot the ball. Um, Darnell Cowart was always a guy that was impressive to me, and I'd watch Murray State, you know, a very steady interior presence. Uh, the big question is point guard. Uh, and I think the guy that's up is Noah Kamba. He's from uh, the Northeast, uh, was a very well-regarded recruit, a, a guy I think might have wound up sneaking up to the high major level had he uh, had he stuck around into the uh, the later portions of the spring, uh, but wound up committing kind of once it was clear that Ja was going to go pro, and you know, he should be very, very good for them. And uh, they've recruited at an extremely high level going forward for 2020. Matt McMahon can really recruit, uh, but I think they have a very strong case to, to win this league as, it, it, as well. So them and Belmont will be a battle again. I don't think it'll have at-large juice, but it'll It'll be certainly a fun one to watch. Yeah, I have I have Murray State right now at a one twenty two uh, because of that uh, point guard concerns that uh, you, you mentioned. Uh, but, you know, maybe maybe a guy like Kamba can exceed expectations, and uh, Murray State can 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 get back into that top one hundred. Um, see, the next team on my list that we haven't touched on yet is Colgate, pretty much oh, running yes. it back in the Patriot League. I have number eighty nine. Um, so they have Rap Ivanaskis, who Kevin, you know, the former Northwestern Wildcat, uh, oh playing, playing, I guess, like a stretch five sort of sort of role there. Uh, he was super productive last year. Um, and they have J- Jordan Burns, who who I've seen a, a lot of buzz for as one of the best players in a mid-major basketball. Yeah, and they'll have some competition this year. I think Colgate should still be the favorite, but do not sleep on Loyola Maryland. Um, they add legit. They add a five star in Santi Aldama. 
I mean, he 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 to me is a legit five star recruit if he were coming out. I mean, he's six ten, can shoot threes, handle the ball, um, defend multiple positions, can you know play in the post, can protect the rim a little bit. I mean, he is terrific. He is going to have a terrific year. He is going to crush the Patriot League. Um, and they already had Andrew Kosteka, who was like a a very, very good player. 21 points a game, very good defender, um, athletic kid. Uh, Golden DK is the uh, the other Spanish kid they bring in with Santi Aldama. And he he's, he's a fringe top 150 recruit, if you were ranked. Uh, very you know, physical kid up front. Chuck Champion's back. Isaiah Hart. This is a very, very good roster at the top, certainly. I think they could push Colgate. I don't think they'll beat him. Um, but that's a mid-major to watch, especially with, with Aldama. We'll see if Aldama's a one-and-done. It's very possible he is, but still a program changer for Tavares Hardy. So I have Loyola, Maryland at number 130, just because you know they weren't, weren't good last year, right? So it's still like a pretty sizable jump. I'm trying to find where they were. In, so they were they were 270th in Kempom last year, and you know they're adding some some talented pieces as as you mentioned. But I I still have them jumping 140 spots, um, which which is probably a lot in and of itself. But cert, certainly a team to watch. A uh, changing of the guard of of sorts in the Patriot League. Um, moving down, next one number 93. I have Buffalo, which you know I I think that this is going to be a lot. Higher than where the metrics are going to have Buffalo. I think I saw in in at Bart Bart Torvik's uh, T rank they were in the 170s. I think, but you know they have returned returned their backcourt um, with a swap of Antoine Johnson for CJ Massenburg, which is a downgrade. But uh, you know Johnson was a double figure scorer on a very good Middle Tennessee State team. Jordan and, and, and Graves were obviously key key parts to the to allow. Last year's team and and Jordan the uh, year before as well. Plus they have two really good recruits um, who were kind of relegated to smaller roles in last year's veteran team, uh, Ronald Segu and Janethan Williams. And you know it's possible that both those guys don't don't start again. But you know these are highly regarded guys who will be a year older. Um, they they had David Nickelberry from Memphis by way of JUCO. Um, he's he's someone who's seen as a more like a point, point forward type, if I'm not mistaken. He could be in the mix, um, and they had two two transfers from from the AAC, and uh, G- Gabe Grant from Houston and Laquil Hardnet from Cincinnati will probably see a lot of minutes on that wing and in, in power forward spot. The one question for me with them is the center position. I've I've seen positive um, positive remarks on David Skogman, and they return Fagan and Bertram, who didn't play much at all uh, in, in in their Buffalo careers. Up to this point, but you know maybe they get J- Josh and Bala a waiver from Texas Tech, but they just need one of those guys to emerge. And I I like this backcourt enough, I like this wing rotation enough uh, to to be confident that uh, Buffalo's a team worthy of ranking in that ninety to one hundred range. Yeah, Whitesell did a nice job of kind of complimenting the roster out as down the stretch, um, grabbing a guy like Skogman who could be a, a rotation player for them. A, a very he, he was like a high, fringe high major kid. Uh, Laquil Hardnet, a guy who, you know, I think will be very useful, was going to, I think, would have played at Cincinnati if he hadn't transferred. Uh, Mbala is another guy that, that can play. He's a uh, you know, very athletic kid who is good 
on the the FIBA circuits playing for France. Um, so so just kind of a nickelberry as well, kind of complementing what was already a good roster left behind. I thought Nate Oates did a really nice job of like preparing for the future. Some coaches kind of put all their eggs into one basket. And I thought he did a nice job. Okay, we've got a couple scholarships. We've got, you know, eight, nine guys that we know will be good and good enough to make us really, really good this year. Let's take these two sit one play ones in, in Johnson and Gabe Grant, who will help us when we lose some of our talent. And Grant's a guy I think will be very, very good for them. Johnson can score the ball. I mean, I, I, I'm very big on Javon Graves, but I think Johnson is just like a the very high floor player. Um, kind of know what he is. This is the ten, maybe he's a 10-point-per-game player on an NCAA tournament team at Middle Tennessee State. So uh, roster's really good. We'll see what Whitesell does. I thought Oates is you know, one of the ter- most terrific coaches in the country. Um, and the job he did at Buffalo can't be understated. But I think generally you have to feel pretty good about where this roster is. I think the, the, the single-A Mac is pretty wide open. You've got Bowling Green with Justin Turner. You've got Akron with that terrific defense. That adds serious Williams to the mix. Um, Toledo's always kind of relevant in this in that league. Kent State's got Rob Sender off in a very good roster, even though they lose Jalen Walker. Uh, Miami's got Nike Sibandi. Uh, Eugene German, the best mid-major player no one knows about in Northern Illinois. It's going to be a pretty fun league once again. Yeah, Akron Sneaky had a top 25 defense in Ken Palm last year. Um, and, you know, they were they were ranked highly uh, in, all, in all the, the uh, kind of analytic metrics, despite um, you know, not not having a great MAC record, so maybe that kind of uh, it reverts to the mean this year. And you uh, touched on Zarius Williams, a guy who, when uh, he was on Dayton uh, once upon a time, and uh, Arch- Archie Miller's team had a lot of turnover. It looked like he was going to be like a breakout guy for them. That had never never materialized, um, but now now in, in the MAC, you know, he could have a real breakthrough, and they have Deng. Dang Riek, the East East Carolina transfer, who was a good uh, rim protector for them this uh, past year, the backcourt. Um, uh, I've returned some uh, pieces as well. Um, Tyler Cheese being one of them, former top, you know, highly regarded JUCO guy. Um, so those are a few teams to like in the in the single A MAC. Uh, we just have a couple more conferences that we haven't touched on yet. Um, so I, at uh, number ninety-seven, I've California, Santa Barbara. Um, most most people have Irvine. I think you have Irvine, Kevin. Um, but it's USC, US, USCB team. Great guards coming back. Hediger, Jacory McLaughlin, and Deverell Ramsey. Uh, they they have uh, Roberto Giddens, who once upon a time when he was on Washington State was was seen as like a potential breakout guy who could really score the basketball. To, to have him coming off the bench, you might even have Brandon Cyrus, a former starter for DePaul, combo forward. Um, you know, if a, he comes off the bench too, you have a really strong front court with Amadou Sal, who, who had a big freshman year last year, and uh, Matt Matt Freeman, who's a stretch five, who was in the rotation at at Oklahoma for his entire career. Really like that 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 top seven there. They can play big, they can play small. The guard plays good, front court's good. Very high on uh, Joe, Joe Pasternak's squad here. Yeah, the talent there. I would, I would 100% agree. You could make a case for them for sure. Um, I do really like UC Irvine still, though. I think Evan Leonard's a guy who got overlooked a lot by Matt Hazard, or Max Hazard, excuse me. But I, I, in my mind, I mean, Leonard was the best player on the floor in that Kansas State game. He really shoot the ball. 
Uh, Colin Welp's a guy that was uh, you know, a potential breakout candidate. They're really young. They have seven freshmen, but uh, Russ Turner does a nice job of the recruiting trail. Always finds some under-the-radar guys who can help out right away. I think they'll be in just you know, perfectly fine shape for, for, for this season with the, uh, for the Anteaters. So I think they're, they're right there. Okay. We're winding down here. A couple more conferences. Horizon, I have Wright State at number 98. They obviously have Mr. Love in the middle. Uh, let, let me bring up the rest of the roster because they have added um, some, yeah. some key players from last year as well. They went grad transfer and grabbed a couple guys. They grabbed Jordan Ash from Northwestern. He's like an athletic defensive-minded guard. Um, could probably be okay at that level. And then a kind of offensive-minded big in uh, Alex Dozich from uh, Marist by way of Marshall. He's not going to be anything special, but he'll be fine. Um, but Love is Love is there. Billy Wampler, Cole Gentry. I mean, they got a decent roster. I don't know if I'd buy top 100. I'm kind of down on the horizon as a whole right now. Um, UIC's got, like, Tardis Ferguson. I think Northern Kentucky will get there eventually with Darren Horn. He's a really good coach. And... Um, too better to replace John, uh, Coach uh, John Brynan than uh, Darren Horn, but I think yeah they're they're probably a year away from top 100, so uh, not super high on the horizon this year. Whenever you hear me fumble over a roster, it's because I typed it in my depth chart, and it turns out I didn't do a depth chart for them. Then I have to go scrambling on the internet. But uh, yeah, I I'm I'm still pretty high on a right state. I mean it's it's not a crazy jump from them um just bringing up their Ken Palm number from last year so they were 117 last year Mo- you know most of the pieces coming back jumping only about 20 spots in 98 interesting thing for Illinois Chicago um they I'm I'm pretty sure I saw the stat earlier that they they returned the highest percentage of, of their minutes so that's that's going to be an interesting team to watch teams like Illinois Chicago I think North Dakota State's also in that mix and Air Force as well teams Teams that you know weren't that good last year. They were middling in in the grand scheme of college basketball. You know, we'll we'll see how far they can jump by by you know just just running it back. That's that's a big point of of contention at, at the high major level. Um, and you know I just I just refuse to believe that teams can't get better by by running it back. I know uh, when a three man weave looked at it, it was that like NIT caliber teams that run it back usually fall into like the safe bubble range but not into like the top 25 i i still hold out faith that you know the the logic that by switching out some players you're going to be better than a team that that just runs it back all all, you know i i i just don't think that 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 has the the, uh, correlation that uh, most people think it does Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, do any other conferences with the top 100 team? If not, we can just kind of run through quick uh, other things of note. Right, CAA. Do we have a top 100 from CAA? So I have College Charleston at 107. I have Hofstra at 123. One thing we, we talked about Charleston <laughs> on our podcast with Earl Grant, but Hofstra, I've been told, be very high on Isaac Conte, the Georgia transfer. I think he's going to have a terrific year at the five. Uh, they still have Pemberton, DeJure Bowie, Tariq Coburn. Um, they had Omar Silverio, who gets a waiver. That was a savvy transfer market ad who looks good. 
uh, early on. He could he could score the basketball. Uh, I think they're in they're in good shape to potentially contend. And the Northeastern's always there with Bill Cohen. Um, Delaware would have a little more juice if they didn't lose Ethiel Horton. But there's a uh, there's a lot to like. I mean, the CAA generally has been fun to watch. I don't think it has the uh, the juice that it did last year, but it has a lot of uh, a lot of good players, a lot of a lot of star power still. So, I'll I'll let you finish on on Siena and the Double A Mac. But I just first wanted to just touch on a few transfers who I think are notable that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Corey Allen, who's a scoring guard from Detroit to a Georgia State. That's that, that's certainly one to watch. But I don't I, I'm not super high on on this Georgia State team, especially with losing uh, Ron, Ron Hunter at, as the coach. A yeah, second guy who we haven't mentioned. Uh, who we mentioned on a previous podcast was Ty- Tyreek Dixon, a, a, a former teammate of Antoine Johnson on uh, Middle Tennessee. He's like a glue guy point guard. He's going to play for for a Missouri State this year. He's a he's a real fun watch, like a gritty uh, kind of glue guy point guard. Um, Troy Simons for Kent State. He committed to New Mexico. He was like this this a uh, pro- prolific. Scoring guard at the JUCO level never really materialized anything at New Mexico. At New Mexico, we'll he's see. He averaged ten a game, right? But didn't in a JUCO he averaged like like an insane number? Yeah. So uh, you know maybe he's he'll like find. Walker, he's Jalen Walker light. It's perfect fit. We'll see if he can score more in the single A MAC. Also, uh, Parker Stewart from Pitt to UT Martin to play for his dad. Um, he was solid, you know, former, I think, top, top 150, if not top 200 recruit. Had a solid year on that horrible pit team. Um, he, he should uh, put, put up some, some pretty big numbers uh, for, for UT Martin. Uh, we, we touched on most of these guys. Uh, By far my favorite part of doing my conference previews is, like, finding where random transfers and, like, guys I knew of but forgot about wind up. Like, I was doing NCA&T yesterday for my MEAC preview, and, uh, like, came across, they have Tyler May. Um, VCU. VCU, like an athletic guard. He had a good JUCO year. I think he'll be good for NCA&T. Uh, like, John Crosby from Dayton wound up at uh, Delaware State, redshirted last year. He'll be like a sit-one, play-one. He should be pretty good in that league. Um, you also find some, like, random names, like, uh, like I don't know if you ever, you know the name of this recruit, DeMarco Balcom. Like he was like a, like a he was always like ranked in twenty four seven, but like never got any interest. I think because of grades, so he enrolled at Delaware State in January, and averaged like eight and six, and now it's like a breakout guy. So like just like random people like that. That's like by far my favorite part of previous seasons. Like finding random transfers and like random recruits didn't pan out who like wind up at places because you just can't know of every you can't know every roster. It's just not possible. Yeah, that's that that's a super fun. Fun part for me too, or like a guy like uh, Mustafa Lawrence, who's on Fresno now. I'm like, where where have I seen this this uh, name before? Former uh, Missouri State, uh, but then just two, you know. Lastly, two more transfers I want to touch on: C.J. Jones going from a possible starting spot at Arkansas, or at least like a sixth or seventh man spot at Arkansas, to Middle Tennessee uh, for for Middle Tennessee's uh, rebuild. And lastly, Caleb Ledoux. Uh, from McNeese State to Louisiana Tech, he also flirted with the NBA draft. He's not an NBA player, but um, big, big scorer at, 
and McNeese, who should be good on a solid uh, Louisiana Tech team. Yeah, I I'm blanking on some of the other fun transfers I had in mind. Oh, I have a good one. Northeastern gets Greg Boigbedine from Illinois. That's a good one. Uh, Nate Darling to Delaware. He's going to be a stud there. Don't sleep. Nate Darling is going to have a great year for Delaware. Um, um, I can't think of any others. But Tejon Lucas from Illinois to uh, yes. Milwaukee. Yes. That's, that's one. Uh, form, former top 100, Jacoby Long from Iowa State to Southern Utah. He never got any run at Iowa State. Do not sleep um, on Southern Utah. That team is good. We touched on a lot of these guys like Cunliffe, Brandon Cyrus. Uh, Cyrus's former teammate, Justin Roberts, from DePaul off to, to a Georgia State to play with um, Corey Allen. Another guy, uh, uh, Marcus Burke, who put up big numbers, I think, at Campbell, and now he's off to IUPUI, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Marcus Burke was like the, the Robin to Chris Clemens' as Batman. Now he has to be Batman on a better team in a better league. And they'll be bad. They're going to be the worst team in the horizon, I think. Cleveland okay. State's not going to be the worst team in the league. Uh, Brandon Averett was someone who I, who I liked at Oklahoma State whenever I saw him. He's off the Utah Valley, too. Very good one. Yeah, those are all good. We could go all day if we just named all these. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'll give you my Mac preview because the people want it. Uh, Iona should be the favorite because they always are until they're proven not. Um, EJ Crawford's there. You know, he can really score the ball. Uh, point guard questions, I guess. I mean, Isaiah Washington is a polarizing player. He can't shoot at all, which makes him a weird fit for Tim Kloos, uh, but can pass and like was a legit rotation player in the Big Ten. So it's kind of hard to hard to peg in terms of how he fits in with Iona. Um, the, if if he's not eligible, he's still waiting on a waiver. Uh, Colton Cashaw, a JUCO kid, could maybe play uh, play the point for them. They could also go go with uh, Asante Gist, move him over from the two. Um, they might play bigger this year because they have AG back up front, but they also have uh, New Mexico State transfer Mo Tiam got a waiver. Uh, I believe he was run off, which is why he got the waiver cleared. Um, he is like a great JUCO recruit. Maybe he helps out, play some four, and then bump Crawford to the three. They also bring in Dylan Van Eck, who had some high major interest and chose Iona uh, after decommitting from Moorhead State as a JUCO. So he's, he's a very good shot blocker. So they have a little more size than usual. Uh, Sienna's there to deep dive on him. Um, Ryder is the other team to really watch in the league. Ryder is, I would say, probably the most talented roster, but they have not ever won a MAC quarterfinal game under Kevin Baggett. It's like the most absurd stat in college basketball. So we'll see if that changes. And then Quinnipiacus is also worth noting. Um, Savion Lewis and Matt Ballant are two uh, redshirt freshmen who should make an impact. Aaron Falzone will help a little bit. It's like a stretch for. They're just going to really miss Cam Young, who is he averaged 27 points a game in Mac play and did it on like 1.7 points per shot. Like the efficiency on that is absolutely obscene. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Quinnipiac's a team that, you know, has has some guys back, uh, but Young was really the uh, key guy there. And Baker Dunleavy. Uh, can't coach defense. Two straight 300-plus years on defense in Ken Palm. So, and, the and they play slow, slow, right? So They play like fast-ish for MAC teams, but the MAC played really slow last year because all the coaches stunk. And then one, one other piece of kind of topical mid-major news. I mean, I mean, it's not really major news at all, but uh, Ray John Tucker, 
I, oh. I, I think this is interesting. So he, he was in Arkansas Little Rock last year. NBA prospect. He's on the, the Bucks as an Exhibit 10 guy. Means he's going to go to the, their uh, G League team. Um, listed at, at 6'5 throughout his career. The NBA made a new rule that they're going to officially measure everybody barefoot, and that's what the rosters are going to be listed as, official measurements. Came in at 6'2". He's a guy who, if he went to Memphis, you know, a lot of people thought he could play the three or maybe even like a small ball four. <laughs> He's 6'2". Zaire Smith, also 6'3". See, that's, that to me is the reason why I think it's stupid for people to be like, oh, you know, like, it, like it totally matters, like how big, like, like if you told me Ray John Tucker 6'5", it doesn't make him a small ball four. Or if he was a small ball four at 6'5", six, at six, he still is at 6'2". He didn't change in size. But like everyone like position locks people based on their uh, based on their height. It's stupid. There's a bunch of height supremacists out there. That was but, um, that was just jarring when I saw it. Yes, it was really funny. I saw like well, I saw a tweet early this morning from like a buddy who I follow. that was like, by 2021, Ray John Tucker's gonna be five seven, and I was like, what is going on? Like I look it up, and then you're you're oh my god, Ray John Tucker six two in our group chat. It was hilarious, but. Those, those are the musings. If I, I think people should understand just the amount of stupidity that goes on in our Rockin' Twenty Five group chat. There's like, we were we were speculating as which team was getting paid by the mafia to tank. It's definitely St. John's. Um, we insult others who send stupid things. We complain about recruits not going to the right places. Walker Kessler. Yeah, and uh, maybe Isaiah Todd. We can probably go to Michigan. Yeah, I think I think he's fine going either one, personally. But. I don't think he's good, but it's not like he's no, good. he's he's like a great skill set but low production guy. But Isaiah Todd, I think we'll we'll start in college, but probably going to uh, probably going to go to Michigan. I think we'll see what happens. But plenty of recruiting news to be had. Plenty more college basketball stuff as we get closer to the season. We're very very excited about it. Um, we hope you guys are as well. We'll have more podcasts coming up, uh, some conference previews, some more kind of unique content that we can bring to the table, uh, some different stuff. Once again, keep checking out our conference previews. Brad has put out some very interesting stuff on Twitter as well, so make sure you're following him at BradCav2. Uh, your Duke stuff becomes relevant again when Jamin Brakefield commits there. Uh, everyone was t- touting it as a good get. But that, was, that was just so funny. He, he got off for like less than 24 hours prior, and people were still insisting, oh, he's still going to consider Louisville. You know, he, he was someone who, looking at his list, I had no idea where he was going. I thought maybe Michigan, thought maybe Auburn. Uh, then the Duke offer, and then snap your fingers, and uh, looks, looks like Joey Baker could be on the move. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where, where are we sending Joey Baker? What's the right fit? Providence. He played with uh, Greg Gant in uh, high school. That actually could happen. I could see that. It's not crazy. Because even if, like, like, like Duke could still get John Kaminga, who's the number one in 2021, to move into 2020. And even if they don't, they're leading in Crystal Ball for three other top five wings. So, like, Joey Baker is, is screwed. He's got to get out of there. Absolutely has to get out of there. But plus, he lost his red shirt. I'm sure he'd get that back. Let's hope. Or he just gets to not sit a year. 
Yeah. But that's the thing, like, Duke will never, like, sign a waiver because they want to announce that they, uh, they rank it off. Because that doesn't go with the brotherhood. <laughs> Unbelievable. Maybe he has a sick aunt in Providence or something. The, uh, you always get a lot of brotherhood jokes in our, in our group chat. But uh, that's probably where we should leave it today, Brad, because we've been going for close to two hours. It's kind of obscene. Folks, feel free to have listened to this one on, like, point one point five speed and zoom through us all. Uh, we had a lot of fun. It was it was nice to just kick back and talk about as many teams as we possibly could. I get I get too constricted with two teams on these deep dives, Brad. I gotta talk about everybody. I know it, it's like a weird weird mix where like when we do conference previews, which you know I think is is the right move to, to a limit them this year. But like, I I remember last year just, you know, wanting to talk about, like, the minute details of these teams, but, you know, you got to keep it moving. You absolutely do. Uh, and we'll keep it moving on this episode. So, once again, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, more content coming your way soon.